Amen. You can take your seats, folks. Thank you to the team this morning. I was going to call them Charlie's Angels, but then I realised there were four girls and Charlie only had three. So I went with Beauty and the Beast. Sorry, Andrew. Um, and and you're saying, you assume that I'm the Beast, David, which is unfair, isn't it? It could have been someone else, but we wouldn't say that to any of the girls, Andrew, so it's going to have to be you. But it's great to have the team leading and and blessing us and singing us. That's great. Um, It was a a very interesting week um, at the Hillsong Conference just to be there. And uh, I know I was personally blessed to have my wife sitting next to me. Uh, This sermon's going to have a bit of everything in it today, as you can probably tell. And uh, it's interesting, um, you know, the Bible talks about... uh, how um, you know, husband and wife become one flesh when they get married. And uh, for me, it was just great to have Jude sort of seeing uh, what I saw and hearing what I heard. Um, it's a very intense time. It's like going to, you know, like, I don't know, eight, nine church services in four days. Some of you, some of you are just coping with one a week. Uh, and uh, you might wonder, you know, what, what's it like to be in nine or so that, you know, go for a few hours each. And uh, it's a good question. Sometimes it does feel like an intense time that, you know, you're thinking, well, I need a break just to even think about this, uh, just to even, you know, c- c- contemplate it maybe or something like that. And uh, that's true. But uh, I found every message that we received was a, a fruitful one and, and taking notes and going to be reflecting on those in the coming days. I'm going to take a, a few days of what I'm going to call a personal retreat while my wife's away. Um, I guess you're assuming and you would know that I'm fasting when Judy's away. You understand why? Because I've never, I don't think I've ever cooked a meal for our family, except for a barbecue, (laughs) uh, which uh, currently are out of action for six months of the year. It's a good arrangement for me. Um, So uh, yeah, um, I'm fasting because Judy's not here cooking for me. So I may as well pray as well until she gets back and then we're going to have a few days off. So it was, a, it was a great time of receiving all of that information. And while I was there, um, uh, you know, being, being ministered to, and I really tried to, you know, hear something, if you like, that I could share with this church. And I, I feel like there's going to be more things to share as, as uh, time goes on. But I really did have a sense during that time to speak freedom over our church to really come back and to speak freedom over our church. And um, you might be thinking, well, pastor, what does that look like and freedom and aren't we already free and, uh, you know, how does that translate? But I really feel in some sense that there are um, some things that are restricting us, uh, whether it's as a church community or whether it's as individuals, and that Uh, to spend some time reflecting on the life of freedom that we've been called to in Jesus Christ will be a blessing to us here today at the Hills Christian Family Centre. And and I trust that uh, uh, that's something that you are going to benefit from uh, and that you are going to be blessed by. Now, many of you uh, perhaps would be familiar um, with uh, the idea of freedom in Christ. Uh, If you type in freedom in Christ to your Bible search engine, uh, it'll come up with at least one passage, the Galatians passage, but I think the heading is used in a few different places because it's something that Jesus spoke about. It's something that 
the Apostle Paul wrote about and it's something that uh, the Apostle Peter wrote about. They all, at times, spend some time in their writings talking about freedom in Christ. And uh, right from the very start when Jesus did, he had to explain what he meant because his first set of listeners, when he spoke about this, got actually quite angry at him. Now, church, I'm expecting better things from you and I trust that you're not going to get ill-tempered with me. But the first people that Jesus spoke to uh, really just were, were disgusted in him, that he would talk to them about being free. Because as far as they were concerned, they were already free. They were free. As far as they were concerned, it was their ancestors who had been slaves, but they were free people. But uh, Jesus uh, went into uh, some detail to explain to them that there was a sense in which they were not free. That there was something about their existence and their life that they were not free in and it didn't necessarily relate to their political ability, if you like, to go here or to go there or to do this or that. And so even though we know Australia to be a free country, we would probably call it that, in terms of the way that it manages, if you like, its citizens, the, the way that it interacts with other nations, we would generally say that about our country, but there is a very real sense where Australia is not a free country when it comes to the way that its people live its lives. And I'm going to spend some time talking about that today. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, uh, okay, Pastor, um, I think I know where you're going with this. I I know a bit about this. Um, uh, How is this going to be talking to me today? Um, maybe uh, you're thinking, well, you just said as an Aussie I'm free, uh, but I want to remind you, if you're a person who said yes to Jesus Christ, that you have a citizenship of another nation. You might say, in some sense, you have a dual passport. Uh, I uh, met a guy, one of the, uh, the guy that leads the Hillsong uh, campus in Sydney, who came from Germany. And uh, he said, I'm not a citizen yet. He was, I think he was felt guilty or something. I don't know. He was t- telling me he hadn't taken out Australian citizenship. Yeah, I said, George, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm waiting for all my kids to be born because if they're born while I'm still a German citizen but they're born in Australia, I get, they get a dual passport. But if he had become an Australian citizen and they were born in Australia, they're Germanness and their ability to travel in the EU is lost. So um, it was hard to argue with that. Um, I didn't want to give him a hard time about not being a citizen, but uh, it's interesting how citizenship at times, in terms of where we're attached to, you know, can affect our lives. And our citizenship of heaven is your preeminent identity when it comes to living out your life. Yes, you might have been in Australia or you may not have been, but But where we live in terms of our political location is not the ultimate when it comes to the decisions that you make and the way that you live out your life. And sometimes, and I think this is a motivation for wanting to preach this message today, we can fall into a pattern, even those of us who've said yes to Jesus, who would call ourselves a Christian, who believe that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can fall into a pattern of 
decision-making and living out our life that becomes unfree, that becomes bound in some way in the way that we experience Jesus and the way that we outwork and make our decisions. So the reason for preaching a message about freedom in Christ to people who are free in Christ is to get you today to do a check, a spiritual inventory, a stock take on the things that might be binding you here today. Things that you may have submitted to unconsciously, things that may have encroached into your heart and into your mind and that are locking you and binding you in a way that should not be the case for a citizen of heaven. In a way that are starting to rob you of your joy, are starting to limit your freedom in Christ, are causing you to to make decisions or perhaps believe things or do things that are not good for you and and, and don't bring blessing and favour into your life. And I want to challenge you today, given that you're here, you're now listening to the message, why not spend a moment in time to think about what that looks like for you? Because for for Jesus and for, for Paul and for Peter, the freedom that has been won for us in Christ is extremely valuable, is extremely important, but they were also aware of the potential for those that had experienced that freedom to then resubmit to slavery after it had occurred. And they felt the need at times to speak and to write to the church and say, hey, you just need to be aware of this that thinking that way or living that way or acting that way or saying those things or doing those things is now starting to rob you of the freedom that you won when Jesus set you free. So that's the reason for preaching this message this morning. And there are others who maybe here today have never experienced the freedom or have never been released from that. And maybe this is the day when they're going to say yes to Jesus and be released to freedom. Now let me start to set a bit of groundwork for this and explain where this is coming from. Firstly, uh, uh, this moment in Luke's uh, gospel uh, is considered by scholars to be a pivotal time when after you know Jesus is born, uh, we get the great Christmas stories from the first couple of chapters of Luke, uh, he is baptised, He's then sent out into the wilderness where he had to fast for 40 days because he wasn't married and his mum wasn't around, so he was starving. I'm I'm fasting for four days. Jesus did it for 40. Uh, and, And so he goes through this trial and these temptations and then he comes out of this wilderness experience, baptized, anointed by the Holy Spirit, acknowledged by God as his son, and he goes back to his hometown. And, you know, he might have been thinking, well, this is, <laughs> you know, the words got around what happened at my baptism. You know, I've now been tested and here I am among my people. And uh, he stands up in the synagogue one Sunday and uh, he's given the scroll of Isaiah to read. Uh, one of the most prolific and profound um, 
prophets in, in the Old Testament and he, Jesus opens the scroll and he reads this section. And I believe that it was prophetic that he was given this part of the scripture. Not all of Isaiah would have fitted on one scroll. I believe it was prophetic that Jesus chose to read this and he announces to the people the job description that he is taking up that is given to him ahead of time in the, in the scroll of Isaiah. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And this has already happened at his baptism. The Spirit of the Lord is on and has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So, friends, what I wanted you to firstly just tuck away for a little moment is the fact that the news about Jesus is good. And we need to be aware sometimes that sometimes the truth that we proclaim in the name of Jesus, sometimes the things that are coming out of our mouth as we you know, seek to make a statement about things that are going in our world, sometimes it sounds bad. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it sounds negative, it sounds oppressive, it sounds opposing. And it's not that we shouldn't make a statement about those things, but we need to remember that essentially the message that we've been given is good news. Like the, the arrival of God on earth in the form of Jesus, the, the proclamation of freedom for all people in Jesus' name is good news. And he then goes on to say, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now the temptation, I think, your first thought is, well, pastor, we're not in jail. I'm not a prisoner. You know, I've had a couple of speeding fines, but no one's ever locked me up. Uh, you know, uh, is there anything else in this for me? Because what are you talking about? Uh, you know, who's, who's in jail? Who's, who's not free in this particular reading? But Jesus uh, goes on to explain that in some sense, everyone is a prisoner to something in their life that all of us have something that we need to be set free from and I would like to suggest repeatedly on an ongoing basis to be set free from. And I want to talk a bit about that in a moment. To, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Just in case you're wondering, Jesus' ministry is not just for people in jail who don't have any sight. I mean, I'm thinking that's a fairly small clientele. So this scripture is suggesting that everyone needs to see the light, that everyone needs to be set free, that in some sense we're all oppressed and we are all in need of the Lord's favour. So Jesus has announced this job description that, that the, the experience of freedom, the proclamation of good news is a key thing doing. Now, I don't have this on the screen, but you can read it in Luke chapter 4. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I hope that would sound exciting. Uh, here's this guy, young man about town. Uh, we've heard a little bit about this strange experience surrounding a thing called baptism. He's now reading up the scripture, and Jesus himself says after this, Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He unapologetically says, this is talking about me. And, and the locals just think, well, who the hell does this guy think he is? That's their reaction. 
Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he Joseph and Mary's son? Like, what? This is Isaiah. You're just one of us and this local yokel and you're saying that this applies to you. And it says, and it says, and I want you to hang on to this phrase for a moment, they took offence at him. And friends, we know today that so many people take offence at the name of Jesus. So many people take offence at the ministry of Jesus. And it's usually a sign, I think, that they're obviously in opposition, if you like, or or they're opposed to what Jesus is trying to do in their life and in the lives of everyone in this world. But we need to check our hearts Because often at the preaching and the proclamation of the word, when it challenges and confronts us, we also at times can be offended by the person that's doing the delivering. We can be offended even about the impact that it's trying to have on us. We can become, if you like, defensive as the offensive Holy Spirit wants to move into our heart and say, hey, you need to hear this. You need to change in this area. I need to come in and do some work in this area. So yes, we might be able to see the offending going on in the lives of others, but we also need to be aware that we need to be sure we don't take offence to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, sometimes that's not going to be verbal. Sometimes it might be. But I think we all know at times that resistance in our hearts that just says, you know, Holy Spirit, (laughs) I just, you know, we're just keeping God's ministry in us at arm's length. And we're just saying, you know, I've done a fair bit of the church thing. I think I've given enough and I'm just, Lord, just just call it. (laughs) I'm, you know, I can't deal with this. And it's a place that we can't stay because it's a place of oppression, it's a place of imprisonment and we need to leave that behind. Let me switch to a related incident in John's Gospel, John chapter 8, when it's, this particular passage is introduced in a very, very strange way as far as I'm concerned. It's, it says that Jesus was speaking to the Jews who had believed him. So this is not a hostile crowd, I wouldn't have thought. I I assume that, you know, uh, there's some sort of acknowledgement of who Jesus is or or something going on. But uh, Jesus then starts to take them deeper. And this is another evidence, if you like, for the fact that this message has to be preached to the people that believe in Jesus. And I pray that by God's power, we don't go down the path that these folks ended up going down as Jesus started to try to wedge into their sense of self-righteousness, their sense of, you know, we like what you're saying, but we don't need a saviour, you know, because of their Jewish citizenship. And, you know, they didn't want to, you know, really go that extra mile of receiving or, or thinking that they needed deliverance from the slavery of sin. And so often when you speak to Aussies uh, in our, our wonderfully blessed lifestyle, there can be that sense that, you know, 
what are you talking about a saviour? What do I need saving from? I'm free. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. We've got money really to back it up and choose this and that. And the idea at times that there, there's a need for deliverance and the awareness of the bondage that a person is in is lost sometimes on people who live in a nation such as Australia. It was the same on this occasion when Jesus, uh, even though they were under Roman rule at the time, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are to my disciples. In other words, if you do what I teach and what I say, you really are doing, you really are my disciples and then you'll know the truth. So in other words, it'll be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit as you put it into action. You'll get this revelation and then the truth will set you free. That, that as we say yes to Jesus, as we obey his commands, we, we see the truth about him and ourselves, we see the truth about our lives and we experience Freedom in Jesus' name. The the burden that we've been carrying since birth goes and lifts as we become free. Who's experienced that freedom here this morning? Who knows that freedom of a burden lifted, of that thing that we grow up at times that we just can't put our finger on it, but it's there and we don't know why and we have this burden and then we see the truth about Jesus Christ and we say we've believed in him, we believe you Jesus and we're now going to obey, we're going to respond, we're going to get baptised, we're going to not live that way anymore and we're now going to go that way and we are set free as the truth about Jesus comes in and resides within us. And it's a feeling like no other thing that we ever experience. As the burden gets lifted, as the burden is released, and at that moment, I don't know what your conversion experience was like, it's a moment that is unparalleled. As the burden of our sin and our inability to put ourselves right with God is taken away because Jesus has done it. The release and the freedom that comes with letting him be our saviour and say yes to him. It's beautiful. Can you remember that moment when you experienced that freedom for the first time, church? Can you put your finger on it? Was it recently? Was it a long time ago? Has it, has it, have you felt that for a while? If you haven't, I want you to experience that this morning. I want you to know that freedom. I feel God wants you to be released into that this morning and wants to have that sense of my burden is taken away, my sin is gone, I'm released into freedom, I'm free in Jesus' name. And when Jesus laid this on, this particular group, they couldn't couldn't see it. And they wanted to go down the, we are Abraham's descendants. They wanted to say, we are citizens of the Israel nation. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Some of you are tempted to think the same thing. I live in Australia. I'm in a free country. What are you talking about, Pastor? What burden? What? What? And that's where they went down and Jesus stood his ground. And said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Oh, 
Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And Jesus is at this moment creating a contrast between him and those that he was talking to. You see, we need a saviour, but folks, if it's just one of us, it's not going to work. If it's such and such as, you know, self-help book, or if it's such and such as this, or it's that religion, or it's this and that, it, it's just not going to lift that burden. It's not going to work. But if it's Jesus, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will experience that freedom that only he brings. No one else can deliver this release from the burden that we carry. And Jesus confronts them with it. Uh, and I'm not having got the rest of the story up there today, but they, they, again, just like the people back in Nazareth, they take offence at him. And they're not buying it. And, and these Jews that believed in Jesus basically are on the verge of wanting to stone him. Because this has to follow through to its logical conclusion. And they throw up Abraham and, and, and then Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And before Australia was founded, I, I am. And, and before you were born, I am. I am the one that delivers you and sets you free. I am the one that releases you from the great burden. I also mentioned the Apostle Paul devotes a lot of Romans chapter 6 to the issue of sin and slavery um, and uh, goes on again in chapter 8 as well. He makes the point that you, you Christians, have been set free from sin but introduces the idea of being a slave to righteousness. So your freedom from sin, we're going to explain this in a moment, isn't a licence to do whatever you like. (laughs) I don't know if you were getting excited about that. You were thinking, I'm going to walk out here and this is what I'm going to do and this is, and I don't have to worry about this. That's great when we're released from that burden, but the Apostle wants to remind us that we actually have what you might call a calling obligations to another form uh, of life, another lifestyle. And he introduces this idea. And he then, when he gets later on in one of his other letters to the church of Galatia, he then has to confront them because having experienced this freedom, uh, they then are regressing into slavery. On this particular occasion, it was because people were saying to them that uh, you had to follow Jewish customs in order to be a Christian. In particular, they were saying to them, you have to be circumcised, uh, you men, uh, to be be a Christian because that's the right thing to do. Uh, And the Apostle Paul had to oppose this vigorously because it was the idea that something else was required other than faith in Jesus Christ uh, in order to um, in order to win his favour, in order to be a follower of Jesus, uh, but he not only confronts them over this issue, but he then goes on to explain the difference between a life of slavery and the difference between a life of freedom, and he introduces what I like to call 
the list. Some of you have heard me speak about the list before. The apostle finishes Galatians with two lists. One that's quite confronting. (laughs) Another that's a bit more exciting. Uh, And um, he uh, moves from equating the idea that you know, we can do whatever we like and that we're really free and we don't need Jesus to contrasting what it means to actually be a slave to sin and what it means to be free in Christ. And he points out that you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. So we are to not submit again as free people in Jesus to the yoke of slavery. We are not to seek a religious or a a personal sort of earning of favour from God. But we're also not to use our freedom in Christ to submit to a form of slavery that is to indulge the sinful nature as it is, or the flesh as it's called in this particular translation. And... Paul goes on to say that that will look like walking in the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the solution, if you like, to living a free life is to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, to remain in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit that's alive inside of you, praise God, (laughs) it wants to follow Jesus. And we talked last week about how the Holy Spirit guides and we talked about, um, you know, uh, they they talked about coming to this place but they couldn't go any further. And we, We reflected on what that might have looked like, whether it was a circumstance or a prompting. And I pray that you are aware of the Spirit of God alive inside of you that at times confronts you with your behaviour, at times uh, directs you or or, um, leads you in a particular way. And I want to suggest there's a part of a sense that it's almost impossible to have the Holy Spirit and to sin. Now, now you're about to say, yo, where are you going with that? <laughs> but the good news is that the Holy Spirit in you is persisting. The Holy Spirit in you is faithful to Jesus. The Holy Spirit in you cannot blaspheme God. The Holy Spirit in you simply can do nothing else other than worship and follow Christ. And I reckon that's good news because I know that left to my own devices, I'm just going backwards and I'm turning back. But the spirit in me persists in me. And it's my prayer here today that before we leave, you'll have a fresh infilling and empowering of God's spirit. That you'll become sensitive to and aware of the fact that God, if you've said yes to Jesus, is alive in you and is moving you towards the fulfilment of the calling that's on your life. 
because to turn back and to do otherwise, to engage in another type of behaviour is to grieve the Holy Spirit, is to cause the Holy Spirit to mourn and is to quench the Spirit in your life. And I know about you, but if you've ever tried to live in opposition to the Holy Spirit, if you've ever tried to listen uh, or live in a way that's contrary to the, what the Holy Spirit wants in your life, it's a drag. Like, it's miserable. It's awful. And quite frankly, the potential for you to drive yourself to despair is real because the Spirit in you wants to lead you towards Jesus and say yes. The, the Spirit in you wants to direct and guide your steps. And I'm asking you today if you are saying yes to him. We then get to one of the lists. I hate reading these. They're so searching. They're so in your face. The apostle doesn't spare anyone or anything. We start reading them. We're thinking, quick, quick, let's try to find something I'm not doing. <laughs> oh, witchcraft. Thank heavens. <laughs> I'm, I'm free. I'm not doing witchcraft. What is it? I don't know. But it's not. I don't think I'm doing it. You don't read the stars in the paper, do you? Sorry, just had to slip that in. <laughs> and... Paul is simply saying, look, you're asking me what a life of slavery looks like, what a a life of satisfying the flesh and not the spirit looks like. Well, there's a list. And, you know, as I reckon as we lead down that list, as we read down it, we're just challenged. And there are some big words. There are some things that look obscure, but a lot of them, when we look at them, we say, you know, I might be struggling in that area. I might have fallen for that. That could be a problem for me. And Paul simply finishes and says, I warn you, I warn you, as I did before, he's done it before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? We look at that and I don't know about you, but the first thing is panic. Like, what, what, we lose our salvation or how does that work? Well, what we can say at the very least is this, that the life of the kingdom of God, the life of the king, uh, will not come to us and will not flourish in us if that's our story. That, 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 that can't be the life that we are called to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And... For those of us who've said yes to Jesus, who've been born again and have the Spirit, I want you to know, if nothing else today, the Spirit's not going in that direction. He's not doing discord. He's not hating. He's not jealous. He's not angry. He's not into selfish ambition or dissension or factions. Perish the thought that our church would ever experience those. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, sexual immorality. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. We're thinking, I ain't got no idols. Are you sure? So that's not where we're going, folks, and that is slavery. Paul wants us to stay free. God wants us to stay free. What does it look like? He gives us another list. 
The fruit of the Spirit is actually love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That first list is our old life. It's gone. But since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying each other, but instead to exhibit those fruits in our life. Friends, as we look at that list, I think we can all agree that we all want and need a bit more of each of those in our life. We desperately do. But the good news is that as you say yes to Jesus, as you submit to the Holy Spirit in your life, those things will grow. You might think that's not possible. How can it be? Really? The Spirit can do nothing else but produce that fruit in your life. You just have to make a decision about whether it's slavery or whether it's freedom, whether it's the acts of the flesh or the acts of goodness in your life. And as the Holy Spirit flows, those things come alive as well. I want to finish uh, with these promises before we have a time of prayer and ministry. The great promise uh, that uh, was issued in Acts chapter 13, through him everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. What, for law of Moses, simply insert any other way of salvation other than freedom in Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that can offer it. So set, being set free from every sin, past, present and future, comes through Christ. And then finally, we've spent a bit of time in Revelation today, in our singing and now in our preaching, this great invitation right in the very final chapter of Revelation where the Spirit and the Bride, in other words, God and the church say to everyone, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life receive this freedom in Jesus Christ. The Spirit is saying it to everyone here in this place this morning. Those who would call themselves a Christian and those who have been in the faith for years saying, accept this free gift. Receive and respect and reflect on your freedom once again. How, church, might you have submitted to the things of the old life and the way of slavery? How might you be bound at the moment? I had a sense as I was preparing this message this morning that some have given into a, a, a slavery of anxiety. I just had that sense that, that when we become anxious, we become slaves and it introduces and becomes the gateway and the doorway to all kinds of other things. I believe God wants to set people free from anxiety here this morning. No anxiety is your gift by the Holy Spirit. A lack of worry and concern for things that would dog you is not the life of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in your life. You were never going to say, I'm anxious, you know, and the Holy Spirit's alive in me because I'm worried. The Holy Spirit is alive in you, but let him release into your life this morning the fruit of peace. 
here this morning. Because anxiety and worry and fretting is not a ministry of God in your life this morning. I think there are people that need to receive that. Now, I'm sure there are many other things that you could probably point a figure and say, I'm being bound by this particular thing at the moment. I'm being restricted by this particular state of mind or this particular habit or this particular frustration, whatever it might be, you, can, you could say, actually, I think that's causing me to lose freedom at the moment. And I'm here to proclaim to you today on the authority of the word of God that Jesus wants to release freedom from that thing in your life here today. It's your inheritance as a citizen of heaven. It's your guarantee. So as the team comes to the front, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And I just want you to spend a moment thinking, just a moment about how you might be submitting to slavery in some way, about how you might be bound in some way. Maybe there's something in your life that that's causing you to be anxious. There's a sense of fretting and you're not free. You're worried about something. You're concerned. Maybe it's an area of provision. Maybe it's an area of relationship. Maybe it's an area of ministry. But there's, there's something that's binding you in some way. And I feel God wants to free you of that today. I really believe that God wants to release you from that today. So just, just receive that freedom now. Just say, Lord, I'm free for righteousness. I'm free for serving and following you. And I accept my freedom. I receive my freedom again. My freedom that you won for me on the cross is renewed in me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for releasing us to freedom here this morning. I'm also thinking this morning of perhaps someone who has not yet been set free from the burden of sin. Someone who's still carrying that burden here this morning. They haven't yet said yes to Jesus. They haven't been born again. I, I just don't think I can preach a message about this freedom without at least offering an opportunity for you to respond to that. As all eyes are closed in this place, our heads are bowed, I want to offer you that opportunity. And if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, if you want to say, I want to be free. I don't want to carry my burden of sin anymore. I want to let go and I want to let Jesus. I want to let go and I want to let God. I just want to release this burden here this morning. If that's you, then as all eyes are closed and heads about, I want you to lift your hand and say, I'm letting go today. I'm receiving freedom from the burden of sin today. Thank you, Jesus. Just put your hand straight up. Receive that freedom. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Lift that hand up for a moment longer. If there's anyone else who wants to join, that person here this morning who said yes to Jesus and who's received the releasing of the burden of sin, you put your hand up as well and then we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's continue to keep our eyes closed. I want to lead that person in a prayer, but I want the rest of us to pray this prayer as well. 
as a reminder, as an act of solidarity with that person who's made that commitment and received that freedom this morning. Let's all pray this prayer together out loud as a church as we confirm and affirm our our dedication, our commitment to Jesus this morning. Let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the freedom that you won for us on the cross. We thank you that we have been set free from sin. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's alive on the inside of us. And we commit ourselves again today that we will live in the freedom of the Spirit. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Jesus. I'd love to finish this service.